Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. This is a podcast from Minute Media. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of comics that have come out this week. Kicking it off with Batman Fear State Alpha number one from DC Comics, written by James Tynan IV, art by Ricardo Frederici. Are you scared? What are Are you you terrified, Pete? I'm sorry. He's the scarecrow suddenly. Oh, okay. (laughs) Stop. I'm the scarecrow. Stop. (laughs) Anyway, so in this issue, this is picking up on the current run of Batman, where Scarecrow has taken control of Gotham City, not just from Batman and his allies, but also from Simon Saint and the Peacekeeper program. And we're dealing with the fallout here. We get a lot of setup here in terms of the threat, why the threat is happening, what Scarecrow's mission is here, what powers he has now over the city. Well, that's where we're kicking off this big crossover that's going to go through the whole Batman line. What did you think about this kickoff? And also, I'm curious to hear what you think about this structure for mm. events, meaning the alpha, multiple issues, and then the Omega issue. I well, mean, we've been in that sort of cadence for a while. With uh, Marvel's been doing that a lot as well. Um, I'm fine with it. Um, do you guys not like it? I, I thought this was... Really great. I mean, you get a lot here in this book. You get a lot. There's a lot in here, which is great. I, I think the art is unbelievable. Um, the kind of like uh, crane uh, kind of sit down meeting you get is was really fantastic. I was really impressed with that. Um, uh, yeah, I I loved the kind of moment where you see that Ivy is still got a soft spot for Quinn. Um, they're really kind of like setting everything up in such a a big, huge way. I feel like this is going to be this is like a really fun Batman arc. What's nice is we got a little bit more kind of side characters in there instead of it just kind of being the main uh, Batman family. So uh, I feel like this is very interesting and cool. I- I'm excited for it. This book brings a lot of the stuff that James Tynan has been doing very well, which is reflecting the world outside of the conversation that we're having through superhero books and the idea of that he drives home very strongly here of people responding to fear and people being broken down and a new society yeah. coming out of that feels very present for the present day and very uh, responding to what we are all feeling right now. So that's a really good thing to be playing off of. It also feels like a very classic Gotham city is in trouble yet again, and maybe it's going to completely fall type arc. Uh, So I'm excited to see what happens going forward. I thought the art in this was really solid as well. Um, My issue, I'm not a fan of the Alpha Omega issues in the middle. I knew if you got—that's the only issue. I was leading you. You were leading you. Yeah, if that's the only issue you have, I mean, that's still 
you know, fine because regardless. Yeah, do you, Pete? Do you feel like there's some sort of level you could re- relate to somebody who doesn't like a specific numbering cadence for types of issues? Is there something that you could yeah. find some common ground there? I I can, and I appreciate what you're going through, and I'm sorry <laughs> that it's causing you so much I'm, strife. From that standpoint, I agree with you. This would be confusing if I weren't a reader who understood the, how this all works. If I was just reading comics, I was like, did I miss something? Because what's alpha? I don't know why I would buy that. Uh, but um, I do think I, what I like about it is they're, alphas are usually longer. They usually get a little more space. They usually um, get to tell the story how they want. And I appreciate that um, for the creators. And I agree. I really like this book. Um, this book made me really future miss James Tynan on Batman. Aww. I think that's a fair way of looking at it. Let's move on to another one. Dark Ages, number one from Marvel, written by Tom Taylor, art by Ivan Coelho. I think for me, this was the biggest surprise of the week because really? I read yeah. this right after Batman Fear State and I was like, another event. I can't deal with another event. Wait, are you it. reading these comics in order that we're talking about them? Nope. But I did read this after Batman Fear State, and I felt like one event after another, back to back, we've been reading so many events from DC Comics, so many events from Marvel Comics that I was like, I can't get into another one, even though I like the team behind this, and ended up loving it. And the reason I loved it is this is a out-of-continuity book that Tom Taylor is doing that is on par with what he's done in Injustice, what he's been doing over in not Marvel Zombies. What is the, what is the DC Deceased. version? Deceased. Deceased. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Where it's just he puts the Marvel Universe in the worst situation possible, makes it even worse pretty much every page, and then comes up with these glimmers of heroism throughout. Love this book. 100% on Bard. How do you guys feel about it? Wow. I agree. I really liked it as well. I like how hard it went. Like in a world where events often are like, it's what you know, but get this, that guy's has a weird eye. So that's a clue. And you'll have to read to the end to find out that it's um, like a, a rock or something. Um, this feels like it's going hard. It feels like you're getting your money's worth with a comic and uh, it's a good read. I'm very excited to see what happens. Pete, what uh, about you? Not so much. I I don't like steampunk and the kind of like leading up to steampunk Iron Man is not exciting for me. Um, wow. I just that is the uh, hi, that is not what this book is about. That is a ah, hyper specific complaint. Ah, it's it's not steampunk. Is. It's steam powered. Yeah. What it's did you think punk. about the fact that he had a top hat and a monocle, though? Did you like yeah, that? Yeah, I did not. I did okay. not like that. He kept saying, "Milady." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're hitting all the things that I hate. Um, yeah, I just it's hard because it's like it starts off and even the, the second page where it's the name of everybody who's working their butts off on this project. It's got the steampunk background with the gears and shit. And I'm like, boo, um, I do <laughs> like You're such a the, bully. I know what did I steampunk do, do to you. I did someone in a little jetpack bother you. Yeah, I don't want it. Yes, yes, very much so. But I do like the reveal. I like uh, the kind of setup of the villain and that kind of thing. Um, You know, having uh, different people kind of in this team is exciting, but I'm not excited for the reveal of just steampunk life as a normal thing. So I'm not looking forward to that. But I, I do think that this is a 
cool team. I'm definitely going to check out more. I, I don't and think I this like is the... steampunk life. I mean, just to give people we didn't actually talk about the concept of the book, the idea is that there's another enormous threat that's going to destroy the Marvel Universe, except this time it kind of does uh, and leaves the entire world without power right. off of that. There is a shifting, uh, metaphor-implied, power dynamic that happens. We get the sense that it's it's much more a post-apocalypse book than it is yeah. a steampunk book. Uh, and it, it focuses on Spider-Man. It, there's a really good Spider-Man in here, and there's really good yes. emotional moments. Yeah, I love the the whole stuff with the you know ceiling baby and all that. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's there's some great stuff. I'm just not excited about the reveal of Iron Man as steampunk Iron Man, and then like how we're going to move forward with that. What do you think about? Uh, they already announced this. This is coming a couple of months down the road, but Marvel is going to be launching Top Hat Iron Man and the Ceiling baby as a spinoff series are you looking forward to that That's, that would be a great t-shirt right there oh, okay i'll see yeah, what there i it can is. do next up the beauty all good things from image comic story by jeremy hahn and jason a hurley art by matthew dow smith jeremy hahn and danny luckert this is a surprise at least to be final issue of the beauty, a story set in a world where an STD makes people young and beautiful again, and then explode later on. As it turns out, uh, this title has gotten so many different directions. It's been a crime thriller. It's been a meditation on age. It's been a meditation on loneliness. And in this final issue, we get a wrap up for a bunch of our different characters through two, I believe short stories uh, that are set in the world of the beauty and the tease that maybe it's not 100% done after all. This has been a phenomenal series, and I was so happy not just to see a new issue of this in the stack, but also that it ended up so well. What was your guys' take? I agree. I mean, I have been, uh, haven't read every issue of, of The Beauty, and I really enjoyed this issue, though. Like, the way, like you're saying, that this comic was able to really... Um, uh, to use a quote from Eric Powell on our recent live show, stretch its legs and really um, explore a ton of different aspects that even deviate from the main premise of the book. Like that is so hard to do. And the fact that fans were able to really follow them on that journey, ending up here with just great little sort of almost mini stories about um, some characters and some people in this world. I, I thought it was great. Yeah, this fucking book really stuck the landing. Unbelievable ending. Yeah, you get some really cool moments. And like Justin is saying, they kind of sit in things a little bit. And it makes it so much more powerful and and kind of like nice to kind of have these moments with these characters. I very much enjoy that the art's fantastic. Um, you know, I haven't been as on board as Zalbs has the whole time. But man, this ending really makes me want to kind of go back and, and check stuff out more. Love yep. the ceiling baby. <laughs> no ceiling baby in this one. Next up, Infinite Frontier, number five of DC Comics, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Jesus Moreno, Paul Pelletier, and Tom Derenick. In this issue, our heroes have joined together on Earth Omega, I believe it is, to fight against Psycho <laughs> Pirate, and the big villain is revealed by the end of the issue. Uh, stuff happens. Well, come on, asshole! Fucking bring the same enthusiasm the other books you loved, you piece of shit! No, this I'm is good. A- wow. I'm good. No, Thanks, no, no. Pete. This is... I had a great time at this. That ending really got me hyped about this book. The villain kind of 
thing was really badass. Great use of Psycho Pirate. How many times can you say that out loud? Love the cover. I, I thought this was like a DC action turned up in such a cool way. Great use of Pete, uh, of of characters in this. Did you say I, great use of Pete? I was going to say people. I was going to say people. Great use of Pete. Character. Great use of Pete in this review. I like the team. <laughs> the team uh, on this book. I, I'm, I'm having a great time with this. Go fuck yourself. Great use of people and paper and uh, <laughs> internet. <laughs> what did you think, Justin? Uh, I'm sort of in between you two. I thought it was all right. Um, I mentioned this before. I feel like Psycho Pirate to me is a little bit overexposed as a villain. Haven't we? What is his deal? He's... And it's a I maybe fun said name the same thing. That's not enough to be a villain that makes sense. Do Psycho you guys pirate? in your head, every time you read Psycho Pirate, do you follow it up with Keskase? Because I do. What? Psycho Pirate, Keskase. Thank you, Justin. What, what is that from? Da, 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 da. Psycho, Psycho Killers. Oh, that's uh, not uh, Psycho Killers. That's anyway, no, I don't, I don't hate this book or anything like that. I just think... The promise of it, that it was 52 part two, giving this a grand tour of the DC universe. Yeah. Is has reduced itself to a regular old slugfest and oh. it's fine, but I've read the sort of thing, I don't know, a month or two ago, you know, like this is the sort of thing that DC does too frequently at this point. And I know I pointed this out as my concern with this book, I think last week or the week before or whatever the last issue was that DC went from one event to another event. They're just going from event to event to event to event. And it's just like, you just rebooted the universe. Just sit in that for a while. Just let that lay. Maybe I'd be okay with this or better with this if it came out in a year or two years or something like that. But having dark side be like, I'm going to redefine the multiverse again. And it was like, I barely understand what is happening right now. Come on, man. I, I think that's fair. Your, and I also your think main that, complaint is that it's too much like a DC comic that you've already read. Yes. That's a, but that's a fair complaint. <laughs> uh, I think that to me, the promise of 52 was such like, we're going to take a wide journey around the DC universe. And I think that's what it did. And this sort of had that same promise where it was like, oh, and then in a couple issues, we're going to be at the end of in most extreme version of that journey. Um, I mean, this is issue five, and it feels like, oh, this is just what it is. When in the first few issues, I think we liked it a little bit more as a group because it felt like it was doing some new stuff and seeing some new people, um, like the people in this book. Great people. Yeah. Next up, great, Captain great Marvel number, <laughs> number 32 from Marvel, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Sergio Davila. This is the kickoff of the last of the Marvels event that brings together everybody who has held the title Captain Marvel or... Marvel in some aspect all together at the same time as a new threat faces them. I thought this was a great kick up as usual. Kelly Thompson writes a really good, really involving fun book to read. I enjoyed this. Pete, what did you think? Yeah, I very much enjoyed it. I also, as Justin likes to say, we got inside uh, the character's head a little bit. We got inside, uh, you know, Marvel's head and, and like, I, I thought it was cool to see her thought process of, as she's kind of struggling with who this is and what's going on. So I thought it was very cool. I, I really liked the kind of reveal of the issues moving forward to kind of like uh, 
heightened of uh, of what uh, what's already happened. I, I thought that was great. Um, and yeah, the tease for what's coming next issue. I thought they did a great job of like heightening what's already going on and getting you excited for more. So uh, great art, great writing. Thought it was a solid book. Uh, yeah, I like the I like the way it was sort of a knockdown, drag out fight for a lot of it. Sort of classic Captain Marvel stuff. And then the turn into the larger mystery, I was like, oh, nice. This felt like good use of characters in the Marvel Universe. It's people. Um, and, Just say people. Yeah, good use of people. Uh, <laughs> good use of people. You know what? They're... I'm going to take the rest of this uh, stack off. It, this my general review. It's good use of people. All right, good for you. Take it off, buddy. You deserve it. Yeah. Uh, this Thanks. title had art and pages. Yeah. <laughs> Good use of places. Like next the sky. up, next up, let's talk about Geiger number six from Image Comics, written by Jeff Johns, art by Gary Frank. I'm very curious to talk about this issue in particular, which wraps up the first arc of the book as Geiger, our radioactive man goes up against a bunch of different folks in order to save the life of two kids, one of whom is dying of leukemia, particularly because. Uh, maybe Justin, let's go to you first because I know you've been very hesitant about this book and the pacing of this book. But as we find out towards the end here, not only is this the end of the first arc, but after this, we're getting a eighty-page giant. Jeff Johns and Gary Frank have opened up a massive continuity for this title that is tying into multiple eras, and they're spinning off another book from it. So, what did you think about this end of this first arc? And does the fact that there is a bigger plan there? affect the way that you feel about it at all. No, I it makes a little bit more sense why they sort of slow played the this first title because they were like, oh, don't worry, this is going to be a, a huge thing. But they didn't tell us that. So it just felt like they were walking us into something where we didn't know what the deal was. Um, so, I mean, I agree with you. I do think this issue sort of uh, told us a lot of, still gave us a lot of story and paced everything up a little bit. Um, it's just... We didn't know that going in, so it was hard to uh, trust what was happening or trust the the storytelling that was happening because it was it wasn't moving at a pace that I think we expected. That Pete, I expected. What about you? Yeah, I I love this. I continue to really love uh, the art and the storytelling in this. You get some great hugs in here. You know what I mean? Like some powerful hugs going on. It's it's touching. Uh, yeah, I love the action. I feel like this is going to be the future. We're all going to be glowing this neon green at some point. Um, so it was kind of cool to see. I am very curious if this was the plan from the beginning of the book or if this is something that they discovered over the course of creating Geiger because I'm on a similar page to you, Justin, where oh, maybe this is see my what com- did here. Yeah. Similar page, page, I mean, yeah. characters, great people, pages, yeah. people, we're, people were in this book and I watch them do things. I identify with that because I'm a people. <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder if they came up with this first and like you're saying, sort of kind of held it in the background and being like, there's a bigger plan there, but we're not going to tell everybody. Or if they came around to that and sort of figured that out a kind of halfway through Either way, my comics brain is definitely like, oh, this is more important because it is part of a bigger continuity. So it really does honestly get me there at the end. And I know Jeff Johns is really good at big, huge, long-term plans with overarching stories. So this little story that they've told so far that is a very straightforward 
post-apocalypse story, I felt like, okay, I'm in it for the Gary Frank guard. Gary Frank is amazing no matter what. Jeff Johns writes a fine story, but the fact that they are gearing up towards something bigger and presumably taking all of these heroes that they're teasing and mixing them together as some sort of new team that's fighting a new threat. Uh, yeah, I'm in. I'll, I'll read that. I'm happy to read <laughs> Jeff Johns and Gary Frank doing that. I think that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. You had me I, a two-headed wolf dog. Yeah. I feel like they're just, uh, I wish they shaved it a little bit closer, if you know what I mean. Mm, that's interesting. You know, one way <laughs> that you can <laughs> shave things a little bit closer is with the Lawnmower 4.0 for Manscaped. Oh, my God. You know, it's funny. I had a whole plan in my head to talk about a radioactive rod, but I, I think oh, you did a better wow. segue there. Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to step on you, but I just love the idea that you had no idea. You, you, you assumed that neither of us would ever be paying attention enough to notice set up the right. next thing. I uh, love catching you off guard where you were like, what the fuck? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, right ahead. Oh, you read the outline that I sent you. Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, it is time to turn to our sponsors over at Manscaped and their performance package 4.0. You probably all know this if you've listened to the show before, but there's a bunch of things you can get in the performance package 4.0. You can get the lawnmower 4.0 with Pete Loves. That's right. Unabashedly. Unabashedly. The Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a Travel Bag to hold your whole, every, all of those things, every single one of those last things. <laughs> yep. To hold uh, your whole, all of those things. Are you going to throw them all in your travel bag and take them somewhere? You're going to just uh, take a little me vacation, a little me yeah. time, and just trim yourself? I the best what, time to it, shave is when you're by yourself on vacation. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but I, I think it's important to have a nice little travel bag when you travel. So, yeah, hell yeah. And here's the thing. Summer, you know, everyone's cutting loose in the summer. Mm-hmm. But um, we got to trim it up for fall. Yeah. It's the season. For fall? For fall. For fall. <laughs> <laughs> I know other people are like, oh, let's make sure we look good for the summer for bathing suits. That's no. right. No. We got good. I wear my skimpiest outfit for apple picking is what I do. <laughs> I've seen you. Yeah. You're in a Speedo and pinny. You. You're wearing a pinny and a Speedo right mm-hmm. out there in the orchard. Well, that's why I use the Lawnmower 4.0 before I do. It's got a 4,000K LED spotlight. Uh, as well as a guard, a 7,000 <laughs> physical guard. Like, there's a guy who stands there who's like, oh, you're doing that wrong. Security. Well, it's too close. Hey, you're sorry. Uh, sorry. Too close. Bu- too close. <laughs> <laughs> the nut guard. It's the old nut guard. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Too close. You got ID there, buddy? <laughs> Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDE20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDE20 at manscaped.com for a clean trinity and beyond. Your space balls will thank you. That would have made more sense if we used. Now, we made copy. the most sense. <laughs> Definitely did. I, Let's, I, yeah. I've never thought that the way to really take you off your game, Alex, <laughs> is to pay attention and know what's coming. <laughs> but now I know an important lesson. I learned an important lesson this day. Throat right now. <laughs> no way I'm coming back. Next up, Lucky Devil number two from Dark Horse Comics, written by Colin Bunn, art by Fran Galan. The first issue of this book 
mixed is probably the wrong word, but I think we were sort of in a wait and see pattern with this one. It was about a guy that got possessed by a demon. When the demon left, he still had the powers of the demon and decided to start a cult. In this issue, we do, in fact, get to see what happens with that cult, what his plan is, what's going on there. So given all that, what did you think about the second issue? I was this, uh, a lot more impressed with this issue for sure. Yes, I, this was I, very fun. Yeah, I love the art, love the the kind of character design. I thought this was really cool uh, story, and I'm very excited for more moving forward. Like the whole kind of like way he dealt with the 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 different stuff. As he, I, I was just really impressed. Uh, also, really gruesome, fucked up shit, but uh, very enjoyable. Justin, what about you? I agree. This, I f- feel like, really stepped into the sort of swing of what the, the promise of the first issue was and brought yeah. us some great demonic stuff, some really great horror stuff, and set up more of a, a momentum, a narrative momentum going forward in, into the rest, the next issue and the rest of the series. I really like this. Totally agree. I think what we thought was going to happen with the second issue is exactly what happened, and I'm very happy to see that. Next up... Aquaman 80th anniversary number one from DC Comics written by Jeff Parker, Marguerite Bennett, Jeff Johns, Kevin Scott, Michael Morrissey, Dan Waters, Stephanie Phillips, Dan Jurgens, Sean Aldridge, Chuck Brown, Brandon Thomas. Art by Evan Doc Shaner, Trung Lee Nguyen, uh, Paul Palatier, Scott Eaton, Pop Man, Miguel Mendoza. Hendry Protaski, Steve Epting, Tom Derenick, Valentin Delandro, and Diego Olaturga. So, Pete, I'm going to turn it over to you. This is one that, that you were very excited about and you wanted to add to the stack in particular. So You demanded we speak on this. Yeah, and you're fucking welcome, guys, because we had a guest on our show, and if we didn't read the fucking comic ahead of time, we wouldn't have been able to tie it in, so it made us look good in the fucking interview. You're fucking welcome! Pete, just real quick, did you know that in advance, or did you realize no that way. when I asked about it on the show? No way. Oh, I just realized that when we were interviewing, but <laughs> exactly. good thing I still recommend it. I there wanted to go. talk about it just because I love the comic. I thought it was really cool. Um, you know, I'm a sucker for uh, uh, kind of like anniversary things that gets more story, get to see this main character in different ways. And and that's one of the things I really appreciated. There was a lot of different artistic takes on Aquaman in this, and you know, some issues we didn't even get Aquaman, which was very enjoyable. Uh, the Black Manta, uh, kind of number one preview that we got was really badass, unbelievable, uh, uh, artistic stuff that they were doing in this book. I just thought it was fun, and there was a hilarious old school, like, iced tea kind of ad in the middle of it. I, I, I was having a great time. I thought this was the only one thing I was upset that they didn't have, like, all the little shots of the covers that they sometimes do mm. of all the different Aquaman mm. over the 80 years. But other mm. than that, I was really pleased. You get a lot for your buck here in this in this one. So what's the deal with Aquaman? He talks to fish. That's his... Kind of like thing. No, I think he's swimming. Wow, that's he a very swims, original he joke. He swims you well. Thank you. I think he yeah. swims well. Mm. I uh, don't really get Aquaman. That's one of those characters. What? Like, well, it's it's the same thing. as like. <laughs> <laughs> 
if there's anything about this issue, it's like you get Aquaman. Yeah, but I mean, like, I don't get. And there's nothing that interests me about the character. And it, I think it's the same thing as Pete with Green Lantern, where he's like, nah, I'm out. I'm good. I don't yeah. need to read any of this. Where there's something about Aquaman, like, I just cannot hook into the characters all. As soon as he's swimming under the water, I'm like, why? I don't care about this. Like, I That's care. crazy, because, because the Aquaman, to me, is right in the same bracket as Flash. Mm-hmm. It's like the Flash is like, I run fast. Mm-hmm. And some other stuff happens with treadmills and time travel and stuff. And Aquaman's like, I swim well. And some mm-hmm. other stuff happens with I run Atlantis and um, I have a bunch of family around me. You're 100 percent right. It's just a mental block where I love the Flash because I'm like, yes, he's running. That's really wonderful. I love it. And with Aquaman, it's like, what is he doing underwater? Come Do on. Do you like to swim? Not really. Maybe that's ah, it. I knew there it. it is. I there knew it. You don't like swimming. You hate the water. That's what and it is. famously, you love Here's running. the crazy thing running. that like doubles down on exactly what I'm saying. My absolute favorite stories in this collection, which, mind you, Pete, I will give you credit, the art in here was great. Very good. So good. These short story collections are usually really good. Frankly, I don't usually add them to the stack because our reaction is like, there were some good stories. Here are some of the good stories. And some not so good ones. Yeah, here we go. So I hesitate to add them because uh, that's what the discussion ends up being a lot of the time. But I love the Black Mantis stories. And maybe because it's like, yeah, kill Aquaman. (laughs) Oh, you're an asshole, what? man. I don't know. I want him to win. Take a Jeff Johns, uh, Paul Pelletier story about Very Black good. Manta yes. bonding with his son was awesome. Very really good. So good. Yeah. I really liked the stuff um, with Jackson, um, who yeah. uh, in future, uh, future State Aquaman, um, he is Aquaman. And one of my favorite books of the. The Future State crossover in the last year was that, I think, two-issue, um, just very short So series, good, yeah. Which was so good about um, him sort of taking the mantle of Aquaman. Um, and I like some other ones. Yeah, I really, I do like Aquaman. I was a big fan of the Peter David run on Aquaman, which started with Aquaman Time and Tide. Great four-issue mini if you're an Aquaman fan and have not read it. Um, and the stuff where he only had one hand. Maybe not everyone's favorite run, but I enjoyed that. It was crazy to me. Um, if you don't remember, Aquaman lost his hand yep. because a bunch of fish bit it off. <laughs> the last way you think Aquaman's going to lose. But here's the thing. A lot of times you see a carpenter without fingers. It's not. It's because of a tool. The, the, it's because fish thing. bit it off. No? Okay. Maybe yeah. you're talking a different carpenter. No wonder you don't like to go on the water. <laughs> anyway, I guess I can sum it up and say mixed bag. let's move on talk about sinister war number four for marvel written by ed bryson and nick spencer art by mark bagley uh dado neves and marcelo ferreira this is tying up the sinister war storyline where we've had six sinister sixes fighting against spider-man all at the same time at the beck and call of kindred we get the promise that maybe we're going to wrap up that storyline as well as we get a wrap up of the storyline involving Mephisto and Doctor Strange, where Mephisto just walks away at the end of this issue. I wanted to talk about this one in particular because there was a big promise here at the beginning of huge revelations for Nick Spencer's run. So I was curious to hear from you guys what you thought about how this all tied up. I don't know what the big revelations were. Yeah. Uh, let me say that um, I like sort of the the chaos on chaos of this, um, 
And Mark Bagley's art feels like um, sort of uh, a safe choice for Spider-Man, but a choice that I'm used to because that was uh, Mark Bagley was drawing Spider-Man when I was first reading Spider-Man. Um, I'm curious what the the Mephisto Doctor Strange scene at the end feels like it's pointing towards something that maybe Mephisto did in the past and maybe uh, coming up upon again. And I thought that was maybe um, the implication of the, that statement, but I, I don't know. <laughs> Pete, I assume you just straight up didn't like this. Yeah, definitely did not. Uh, thanks for bringing that up. Uh, it was one of those things where, um, you know, it wasn't in the stack and then was for some reason. But uh, hold on a second. We, no, let's no. do let's no, 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 don't. Gotcha. Don't, no, no. Ah! Ah! In the game of chicken that we're always playing is to put the stack together. And Pete was like, I'd like to read this book. And I was like, oh, yeah. Well, you put you put one of ours in the hospital. We'll put him in the body bag. <laughs> yeah, he man. brings out the sinister war. Yeah. I mean, also it came in a little later than everything else, so I sent it as soon as it came in. But go sure. ahead, Pete. Sure. Yeah, I it just was a game of chicken. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't. I don't like this run of Spider-Man. I don't think Kindred is fun. Uh, this is just. I'm looking. He's very it. fun. He's got uh, giant centipedes. What's more fun than that? I that was the theme for my son's birthday the last year. Centipedes to fun bug, <laughs> fun bug, hundred yeah. legs. I'm What's not, more fun I'm not, than that? I'm not having fun with this. I'm looking for hundred legs. Don't too count many legs. Like hundred legs. Don't ever it's count them. It's here. not a hundred. <laughs> I I like the art on this. I guess. Yes. Oh, I don't know. It's are. it's very frustrating. It's just like, I want to get to whatever it is already. And that's how I felt for, I don't know, 30, 40 issues at this point. A long generation. Where it's just, particularly the Mephisto thing where he's like, I'm going to tell you everything, Doctor Strange, just based on the outcome of this specific storyline. And at the end, he's like, well, see you later. Yeah. Very frustrating. Yep. Well, it would be so frustrating if that wasn't the vibe of this book for, as you're saying, like a year and a half. Yeah. Uh, ever but since that said, like, I like the basic concept of a sinister war. That's fun. The yeah. massive walls of supervillains that are fighting against Spider-Man are fun. So it's not worthless or anything like that, but we just need to get to whatever it is. Let's move on and talk about Sweet Paprika, number two from Image Comics by Mirka Andalfo. I think you guys in particular really like the first issue of this book about a book publisher who is a demon who has some repressed urges she needs to deal with at the same time there's a delivery guy who is an angel who uh, has too many urges and needs to figure out a way to tamp them down will they fall in love I guess we'll have to wait and see what did you think about the second issue here uh, sort of the opposite of Lucky Devil that we talked about earlier. <laughs> this is like a fun um, uh, people trying to figure out their lives um, take on uh, angels and demons. Uh, Pete, there's some fun sex in this book, something I know that you will look up from you, whatever you're doing and talk about in a second. And um, and yeah. Uh, the art's enjoyable. And uh, this is a, a book that pushes characters forward in ways that some people appreciate. Um, I look forward to exploring more. Um, yeah. This is wow. still a lesser... Give a gun to your head? 
<laughs> this is still a lesser Mirka Andalfa book to me. She's become this superstar in comics very quickly. I'm sure she's been working for a really long time, so it's probably not quickly for her. But there's a lot of other things that I like better or find more interesting that she's doing. Though I think this is fine. The art's fine. The characters are fun. Happy to read more of it, but it's not 100% my favorite thing that she's doing right now. Next up, Black Hammer Reborn, number three from Dark Horse Comics, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Caitlin Yarsky. In this issue, uh, reality tears open, and our main character needs to go into action against it. We're also getting flashbacks back in the day to when she met her husband. Um, every Black Hammer book is great. I, I don't know what we could say at this point. You know? I, it, it is. It, it continues to be really impressive what they're doing with the Black Hammer books. The art's fantastic. There's just great storytelling that's going on and different sides to characters that you don't kind of think about. I, I kind of am very impressed with the me cute we kind of get in this comic. Also, an amazing cover on this comic. Really cool. I, I just think this title continues to be creative in ways that someone who's been reading comics their whole life is still impressed with. So, just well done. Yeah, I think Jeff Lemire has a good little pocket universe on his hands here. And this is just another great issue um, this series paired with black hammer visions i think are some of the best comics on the stands and uh there's a great dread forming over this particular title uh with issue three here and and good. shout out to caitlin yarsky on the art just doing a great job here less yes. surreal than the last issue but still very very good her characters are good they're very distinct she draws them in different time periods and creates connections between them it's yeah. all very impressive Next up, Static, Season 1, Number 3 from DC Comics, written by Vita Ayala, art by Nicholas Draper-Ivy and Chris Cross. This is continuing to walk its way through Static's origin story here. Pete, over to you. Yeah, I just I wanted to talk about this book. It's, it's really awesome art. It's like this... Um, it's kind of kind of got like this airbrush feel to it, which is really cool. And you don't see that a lot in DC comics, just artistically wise. It's such a cool thing to kind of see. And there's really great kind of like character reveals, rocking costumes and, and different things that it's just done so well and kind of really makes it pop. But uh, as far as like, I just feel like this is a solid issue. Love the kind of villain moment we get at the end. Um, yeah, I just, uh, Static Shock was one of those things where like, it's to me, to me, at least I feel like it's more well known because of the cartoon that was done, but it's great to see the comic, uh, being handled so well as well. I feel like Static Shock is the Peter Parker of the DC universe. And I think they should find a way to put this character front and center. It's such a, this is a great book. The character's great, uh, I, I don't know why there that hasn't happened. I feel like if more people read this, more people would like this. Yeah. Next up, Undiscovered Country, number 15 from Image Comics, written by Scott Snyder and Charles Saul, art by Giuseppe Camicoli and Leonardo Marcello Grossi. In this issue, we're continuing to plug our way through... Man, I really should look this up before we tape because I forgot every time. Is it imagination or inspiration is the world that they're in right now? Whatever oh, it is, they it. need to create a masterpiece about America in order to escape this particular ring of the country that they're trapped in right now. The land of legends and folktales. 
that's where they head to, where they meet Paul Bunyan and Baby yeah, Blue Ox, yes. two of my Come faves. Come on, this is fun stuff. Very fun. Uh, and they are the dealing with some possibility. Big is that what you're zone of possibility? Yes. Thank you. That's what I was thinking of. Uh, so that's where they're headed right now. Uh, this is a creative, weird, fun arc versus the very dark arcs that I think they did to previously. Um, but uh, great book. And like we've been talking about for the past several issues here, I think they've really hit a good groove with the characters and with the book yeah. where you just have a better understanding of who everybody is now. And it's yeah. really firing on all cylinders. I, I agree. I feel like it's really kind of like catching speed and, and exploring characters in such a cool way of like sometimes the, yeah, sorry, sorry, exploring people in such a fun way. The, the fact that we're uh, more familiar with these characters and then we get flashbacks, it just has a lot more meaning. Uh, I'm really, really appreciate Plus like the way they're using the paneling and it's just very creative, very cool. I'm, I'm just really impressed with a lot of the, uh, just art and imagination in this book that continues to just get keep getting crazier and crazier. And the pos- the possibility, Pete. Um, I feel like they're they've sort of got glommed onto this lost Ian type of storytelling where we're getting a little bit of backstory at the same time we're getting the the main action driving forward. And to your point, Alex, like I lo- it feels like it's getting weirder in more directional ways as opposed to the first couple arcs. It was like. Welcome to Weird World, where everything's <laughs> weird, and you're like, honk, honk, my nose is a carrot or whatever, and it's like, okay, I don't know. And now it's very much like, okay, I see where this is going a little bit more. Yeah, great stuff. Great but, book, definitely. Yes. What's, what's also impressive is, like, because the beginning was so weird, once we start to get stuff, it really makes me want to go back and reread it and be mm-hmm. like, okay, now that I know these people, like, uh, the first part would be more meaningful. Yeah, like absolutely. how you learn more about us, and we're like, "Wow, these relationships are meaningful." Yeah, yeah, I really want to go back and get to know who you guys are. No, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, Gru beats Tarzan number two from Dark Horse Comics, written by Sergio Aragones and Mark Vanier, art by Sergio Aragones and Thomas Yeats. So, in this issue, we're still getting our three storylines going: one with Tarzan in traditional style, one with Gru in traditional style, and one with Sergio Aragones and Mark Vanier at a Comic Con trying to figure out how to write. Gru meets Tarzan. So weird bunch of things going on here. (laughs) Weird. But the first issue had all three trains going separately. Here we're finally getting them to coalesce into one story or at least two stories, uh, which is why I thought it was worth talking about this issue. I know I'm in the tank for Gru just because of nostalgia. But what did you guys think? I, I was happy that they finally met up in this issue because it was like Gru and Tarzan and, and the first one, we don't get to see them together. Now they finally have a moment where they, they see each other. So at least I was like, okay, good. Jeez, how long were these going to be separate? So I'm excited to see how this works moving forward, how these two interact moving forward. It'll be interesting. Curious how it's going to mix <laughs> here. Because the whole thing, like... It feels a little bit like, uh, and I know this is uh, sacrilegious based on what we've learned about Mark uh, Evanier, um, like it feels a little bit like a Mad Magazine strip, like mm-hmm. where it is sort of like, it's like, ha ha. But if that strip was going like, come back next 
strip and we're going to keep telling that same story again. It's like, <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so I am curious how much, uh, how much legs this, uh, this blending of these three types of story has. I will say there's definitely a chance if they sort of go through the looking glass and we get to see a Tarzan Gru and a Grood Tarzan, that would be cool. I, yeah, again, I'm still in the tag for Groove because it's definitely hitting that. I was a kid and this is my favorite comic and I love this just no matter what. Oh, he's talking about cheese dip. This is great. Uh, So that's definitely hitting. stuff was fun. Yeah, it's just hitting on that level. And to your point, Justin, when they do finally meet at the end, the fact that they keep Groove in the same style and Tarzan is like, this guy looks weird. is very very fun. But it also struck me that that happened at the end of the second issue. It was like, you don't need to do this much work. You're doing too much work yeah. to get Gru and Tarzan together. Well, this should have happened on page two yeah. at best of the first issue. Um, so it's fine. I'm still enjoying it. But again, I was curious to get your guys input on the second issue here because we were a little split on the first issue. Last but not least, let's talk about the many deaths of Layla Star, number five from Boom Studios, written by yes. Ram V, art by Felipe Andrade. This is the final issue of this story about death, ostensibly trying to stop the man who invents immortality. We get a resolution there of sorts as the two finally meet. Justin, talk to us about this issue. Yeah, this Justin. is the JT Sizzle Book of the Week. Pick uh, because- of the Week! I think I think this series is is excellent. Um, it's uh, really smart. It's funny. It gets into some larger metaphysical ideas about what life is. And what I loved about this issue in particular, um, and we'd have to walk through the whole plot by any means, but um, Layla Starr uh, finally meets up with um, the man who who uh, gets rid of death um, later that. on in his life. And um, the way this book ended, mirroring how our human lives end. Where it's sort of, uh, we don't, it's not, we expect our lives to be like a narrative where we get like beginning, middle, and sort of a nice long lead out into the end. And uh, bad news, that's not how most lives go. And so in this book, we get that same, the sort of more realistic track narratively that the book sort of ends a bit abruptly um, before the story is truly finished uh, being told. And that to me, that really got me. I just thought this was so good. I thought this was really beautiful, very well done, artistic in all the right ways. Uh, it's a powerful book. It's 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 impressive what they're talking about, how they're dealing with it. Yeah, it's it's just one of those ones where well done. Give them awards. Congratulate them. Give them raises. All right, give them some awards. Give Good awards. job. You, you said it. something about the human you condition, you assholes. And for the 2021 Eisner Award for Best People in Best Paper Book, <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, this book was great. Uh, shout out in particular to Felipe Andrade, who draws some absolutely stunningly gorgeous sure. characters and very different characters. There's almost this ephemeral look to the characters. Like everything feels like this piece of ribbon blowing in the wind when you look at Ooh, everything. Yes. And it just matches gorgeously with the story they're telling. I don't know about you guys, but I went into this issue thinking, man, how many more issues could they keep this concept going? And then over this issue, and I was like, oh, one issue. (laughs) Just this one. Just this one. Uh, But it ended at exactly the right time. I think, like, 
five issues is exactly the amount of story they needed to tell with this, and they completely nailed it. So They knew what they were doing, and they killed it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They knew what they were doing. No. They knew what they were doing. <laughs> if you know what you're doing, you can support our podcast <laughs> at patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to broadcast sure on YouTube. Do. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comic books. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the Virtual Comic Book Shop. Wow, we finished this just a hair under the amount of time. Oh, <laughs> <boy>. <laughs>